Corinthians uh, on faith. And because it's a, a worship weekend this weekend, as uh, the girls have mentioned about the uh, recording of the album and the night of worship uh, at our Oxford Falls location uh, tonight, then uh, I want to talk a little bit about faith, faith and worship. So uh, if someone asked you to describe the Christian life in a few words, what, what words would you use to describe it? Uh, doing the right things, uh, living your best life, being a good person, avoiding sin, going to church, even changing the world or saving the lost. Uh, what words would you use to describe the life of a believer, the Christian life? And uh, although most of those things are, uh, do describe part of what uh, the life of a Christian is, I believe the Bible, if you summarize it in a few words, the life of Jesus and the purpose of the Christian life uh, is summarized in four, in four words. A passionate love affair. If you look, if you truly look at the Bible as a whole and the life of Jesus, his life between himself and God and his life between himself and people, it was about a passionate love affair. And believe this if you can, God made you to love you. If you can believe that, it's the truth. God made you to love you. So you've been created for the purpose of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's our primary purpose in life. The main reason that we were born. Uh, it's not a works uh, relationship. It's not like God made you as a person that was going to do a whole bunch of stuff for him. Uh, he didn't create workers. He didn't create a, a workforce or a bunch of minions that would run around and do what he wanted to do. He created a family. He created children to have a family so that he could love them. And if you know the Bible, the story, you know, we were separated from him through our own sin, wrongdoing, uh, and that created this gap between us and God. And so he sent Jesus Christ to bring a redeeming factor so that we could be restored back into relationship with him. The Christian life is a life of love. And God made you to love you, believe it or not. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment out of the whole Bible? If there's one thing we needed to do, what, what is it? And he said this in Matthew twenty two thirty eight. 38. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest, the most important commandment. And then he goes on to say the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So nothing's more important, nothing. Nothing's more important, not your Facebook account, not your LinkedIn profile, uh, not your career, your job. Nothing is more important than that relationship and understanding that you are loved. Not, God doesn't love you uh, how you're going to be. He loves you as you are, right here, right now. That's the truth. Um, yeah, I think that's worth a clap. <laughs> so expressing our love, our gratitude, our appreciation to God, that's known as worship. When we realize what God's done for us, and our response out of that appreciation, out of that knowing, out of that revelation, out of that relationship is what we call worship. Uh, worship has been hardwired into our DNA by God. So we have been created to worship. Uh, 
designed to worship. So the big question is not, will you worship? The big question is, what are you worshipping? So although God created us to worship, He did not create us so that we would worship Him. He, he put in our DNA a desire to worship, a desire to fixate, a desire to have something as our core purpose, uh, something that we would live for. So he created us to worship, but he did not create us simply to worship him because he wanted that to be a choice. So the question is not, are we a worshiper or are we worshiping? The question we need to ask ourselves is, what are we worshiping? Because you are designed and made to worship. Worship is valuing or treasuring something above everything else. Everything else. Uh, there was a theologian scientist of the past, his name was Blaise Pascal, and he used to say this, that God has, put a God, uh, God has put a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. There's a vacuum in your heart that's God-shaped. It will be filled, but what's filling it? If it's not filled by God, we will fill it with something else. Um, so let me rattle off a couple of contenders for the title then <laughs> of our God. The Bible calls it idols. Anything that we replace God with, with our worship, if you read the word idol in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. Something that you've replaced God with in your life. Um, so we think idols, we think, oh, wooden carving there, oh, that's an idol. No, that can be an idol, but what the Bible calls idols is anything, anything that we use to replace God in that affection part of our life that God has put there. So here's a couple of, a couple of contenders. Money. Woo. <laughs> a relationship. A re we can put a relationship above our relationship with God. Well, that's what we live for. Uh, our reputation. Our reputation can be the thing that we're living for. We can go to church. We can do all kinds of different things. We can help people. We can do hampers. You know, we can give all our money away. But at the end of the day, it's the reputation that's most important to us. A house. We can live for a house. To get a house, to keep a house, to get a better house, to upgrade the house. Um, now, none of these things in and of themselves are bad things. That's not what the Bible says. What it's saying is it becomes bad if it replaces God in our life. Uh, a car, a career, a lifestyle, all these things can become idols in our life. I was reading an article this week and it said, uh, according to, uh, there's a media website called Mashable, it says the most important feature on every new phone, including the iPhone, has anyone got an iPhone X or an iPhone 10 yet? Anybody? Nobody. I tried to get one, but my plan's due and I went down there and they were sold out. Can you believe it? I was shocked. <laughs> they said there was a waiting list. I said, I don't wait for a phone, but I am. <laughs> my oldest son Bailey who's not here today he keeps saying he's been saying to me for months because he smashed his phone when are you getting a new phone because he wants my old phone when are you getting you need to get a new phone I get well I tried to get a I tried to get a 10 and and I have to wait he goes you don't need a 10 go get an 8 <laughs> I said no I'm waiting for the 10 he's like <laughs> so he goes what am I going to do without a phone I said, go buy one. <laughs> um, amen, I heard. <laughs> oh. um, but how's this? So Mashable says that the most important feature 
in the new phone, not only the iPhone X, but the, uh, the Samsung S8. Does anyone have an S8, the new Samsung? Oh, one, one down the back there. Guess what the most important feature is on the phone? You will not believe this, that they consider that this is the biggest innovation area. This is the most important feature that the new phones have, the selfie camera. The selfie camera is the area that has received the most level of innovation on the new phones. Google said 24 billion selfies were uploaded to its Google uh, photo service in 2015. That was two years ago. Uh, Brit and Co. revealed last year that the average millennial, so people like me, <laughs> that was a joke, <laughs> um, millennial, so my kid's age, but anyway, the average millennial will likely take about 27,500 selfies in their lifetime. Did you know that? You've done that already, haven't you? <laughs> so, so, if we just take a step back and we go, okay, God's created us to worship, could it be possible that as we push God to the margins of our own life and our society, that we have replaced the worship of God with the worship of ourselves. Could that be possible? Could the selfie phenomena be an indicator that we are more obsessed with ourselves than anything else? Just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> so, um, so I want to look at four ways that we can express our worship to God here today. I mean, there's thousands. Oh, a guy called Goddard wrote a book called 10,000 Ways to Express Your Love, and I thought maybe we should go through all 10,000 this morning. But maybe not. So I thought we'd just look at four. Um, is everyone with me? Four? All right. Um, so the first, the first way we express our love to God. Talking, this is from a biblical perspective. The first way to express our love and worship to God is by singing to Him. Do you notice that every service that we start with singing? And um, it's not just a past the first 20 minutes. Uh, singing, which is what we call worship, it's a part of worship, it doesn't define all of what that word re uh, represents, but, but singing in the Christian faith is a very important and vital part of worship. Um, have you ever noticed that love and singing are intimately connected? So many songs are written about love, uh, or the loss of love, or a broken relationship, or whatever, because music comes from the heart. And Christianity is not just a bunch of rules and rules for do's and don'ts and behavior and, and a moralistic approach to life. Christianity is about a passionate love affair. That's why music is such an important part of it. Because when you love someone, you write about it or you sing to them or you have that relationship. Music is a really important part. Christianity has been called the singing faith. The singing faith. When we come and we, we express our worship, our love, our adoration, our, our putting God at the top of our, uh, of our life or our desires or our passions or our purpose, we do that through our singing. And we declare, you know, as these words and all these talented singers. And, and weren't our worship team awesome this morning? Give them a big hand. Great job, guys. Really appreciate all that you do and turning up early and rehearsing and everything else. Um, but Psalm 147.7 says this, sing out your thanks to Him. Sing it out. Thank you, God. Um, 
Nothing makes you more aware of God's love and God's presence in your life than singing and lifting your voice in praise, whether it be in private. That's why it's important. You know, this album that's getting recorded, if you get it on your, uh, on your phone or if you buy the CD or whatever and you put it in your car, I listen to worship music, not all the time, I must say, uh, but very often I'll put a, put a worship CD on and I'll sing or live because it, 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 it orientates your mind towards your appreciation of God. And if you never do that, I want to encourage you to start doing it in the car, just have some worship or at home. You say, but you don't understand, I can't sing. Well, the Bible says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> so it's not about how good a singer we are. What we're saying is we're just expressing out of our heart our love, our appreciation, our gratitude, our thankfulness to God. Singing is an important part of worship. So tonight, if you have got time, like I said, uh, you can get to our, uh, if you can get over to the Oxford Falls location, um, we'll be uh, worshipping uh, in that auditorium and it'll be recorded uh, for an album. Uh, so singing's important. And, you know, from time to time, people say, well, I'm not here for the singing, I'm here for the Word of God. Uh, I don't care about all the other distractions. You've got to get the word. 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 You get the word. Well, yeah, the word's important, but so is singing. Uh, they're both important. They're like two legs. Uh, you can hop around if you like, but you're not, it's not going to be anywhere near as effective because some people just want to sing and worship. They don't want want the word, and some people just want the word, and, but they don't want to sing or do anything. You need both, and I want to encourage you to uh, begin to express that part of your your heart for God through through singing. Uh, it will feel a bit awkward if you've never done it or you don't do it uh, when you hear your own voice, uh, but uh, practice in your car, um, make sure there's no one else around. Mate, you should, I'm like Pavarotti in here during the week, it's unbelievable. I get, I get people clapping, you know, from, <laughs> from the, uh, the warehouses up there. <laughs> oh, they're not, they're not clapping. <laughs> Sam said they're not clapping. <laughs> um, so uh, music also, music and worship and expressing our faith in song has a healing element. It, it's not just, oh, I'll just go through this routine. There's a healing element to it. Um, and oftentimes when you don't feel like doing it is when you need to do it most. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like lifting my voice because of situation, stress, anxiety, fear, and uh, stuff that's going on in your own heart, then you just need to go, you know what, I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to do it by faith, and I can guarantee you, you do it for five minutes, ten minutes, your mood will change. Your mood will change. So number one, uh, we express our love, our worship, our appreciation to God by lifting our voice and singing. Number two, uh, by talking to God. By talking to him, we're expressing our love, our appreciation, and our worship. Uh, relationships grow or diminish based on communication. And uh, <laughs> I was, Nick and I had a, uh, an intense communication moment yesterday. And after it, I said, oh, good, I'm going to use that in my message. <laughs> so fortunately, she's not here this morning. Well, she's, in, she's helping out in kids' church today. But no, I did tell her. So, so... Uh, this is a lesson I learned yesterday. <laughs> Communication is not just about solving an objective. Did I get, do I get an amen <laughs> from all the women? 
So anyway, Nick's coming to me and she's saying, oh, because we've got to go to a conference next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to be in Melbourne. It's Sam, our second son's formal on the Wednesday night. The flights have all been booked and we're not going to get back in time for the pre-formal stuff. And, uh, and Nick's like, oh, I'm really upset. I'd really like to be there for the formal. I don't know if I can get the flight. And anyway, I said, yeah, that's fine. Anyway, we, talk, we talked about it on uh, Monday. We talked about it on Tuesday. We talked about it on Wednesday. <laughs> by, uh, by Saturday, Nick's going, oh, I don't know if I should go. I'm like, right, either book the flight, change the flight, do something. Just, why are we talking about this still? <laughs> <laughs> like just do just either change the flight don't change the flight just make it and she's like she's like you're not listening to me I'm like I've been listening to you all week <laughs> she's like I'm not asking you to solve the problem I just want you to hear where I'm coming from I'm just feeling that I I want to be there for the moment, anyway, she spoke to Sam and said, I don't care. <laughs> she goes, it's a mother's thing. I'm like, okay, okay, there's a lesson here for me. She goes, I, know, I know we've been married 26 years. Um, and I'm, I'm like, okay, so is this what you're trying to tell me? Let me, let me bounce this back to you. Are you trying to tell me that you're not, I, I don't need to solve this problem? Yes. You just want me to listen to you complain about it. Is that what you're, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, you just want me to hear what's going on inside and how you feel at the moment. Yes, that's exactly, okay. All right, I, I said, I'll share that in the service tomorrow. <laughs> so communication is not just about with God getting God to solve a problem it is simply oftentimes just about having a conversation. There's a good point. That's revelation. So, <laughs> and you think, well, what am I going to talk to God about? Anything. Anything. <laughs> and not just because you're trying to get something done, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, our anxieties, anything you're embarrassed to talk to someone else about, your hurts, your cares, every part of our life, God wants to hear. That's part of worship. Just saying, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on. Psalm 116 says this, I love the Lord because He hears me and answers my prayer because He bends down and He listens. I will pray as long as I have breath. I love that. He bends down and he listens. He listens. And if you don't feel close to God, and you know, there's different times where we don't feel close to God, and I know there'll be some people here today, and you don't feel that close to God at the moment, <clears throat> then I think this is part of the remedy. Simply start to talk to God again. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes when we use the word prayer, we become quite, you know, religious, we become quite uh, theological. But prayer is a conversation. And if you're not feeling close to God at the moment, then just begin to talk to him about that. I don't feel close. I don't feel like you're there. Because he's listening. And he's not going to get offended. And he's not going to get upset. And he's not going to walk away. He's there. 
the conversation, the conversation itself is an act of worship. Um, so I encourage you to just talk to God, have those conversations. And it's probably good, husbands, you talk to your wives as well, just as, a, just as an aside. <laughs> and you don't have to solve all the problems, apparently. <laughs> well, I said to her, look, I'm being a... I'm just looking at it from an objective point of view. She said, no, you're just being... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I won't say what she said. <laughs> it's, not, it's not church language. No, no, no. no. Nick, Nick Neville swears. <laughs> she doesn't, actually. She said, you're just being a pain in the arteries. <laughs> um, Anyway, you've got to keep it real, don't you? I know you all think that I'm perfect. <laughs> um, there's only one perfect person in our relationship, and it's not me. So the fourth way, the fourth way. So the third way, oh, have I done, how many have I done? Oh, two, talk to God the third way. And it's something that God just expressed there, is listening to him. So not only talking, but listening. Taking a moment where you just sit down and you listen. Uh, listening is the, one of the most important parts of worship. Worship is not just the expression and the, the language and the singing. That's an important part of it. But part of worship is you just sit down and go, God, I'm here. I want to hear what you've got to say. And I know we're all busy and we're all doing lots of stuff. Oftentimes our prayer life goes like this. Hi, God, it's me. I have all these things I really need you to do for me. One, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D. Okay, ten, four, big buddy, see you later. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, but God is speaking to you all the time. He is speaking to you all the time. The question is, are we listening? Uh, are we taking some time just to go, God, I'm here. And I can guarantee you, you take some moments, he will talk to you. You'll hear his voice, and there's nothing more reassuring, nothing more comforting, Nothing more faith-filling than actually hearing a word from God. Um, and fourth, uh, fourth way to express your love or your worship to God is through our commitment to Him. And I've expressed it this way. Uh, doing what He asks us to do is the way we express our worship of Him. Uh, I read this quote this week. Weak people are defined by their circumstances. Strong people are defined by their commitments. Weak people are, de are defined by their circumstances. Strong people are defined by their commitments. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 24 to 25. You may know it's the parable of the house that was built upon the rock. Uh, this is the message translation. I really like this translation. It says this, these words, I, this is Jesus speaking, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Is this coming up? No? No? Okay. Listen. Listen. Uh, uh, this is Jesus. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. 
But if you just use my words in Bible studies, and I love this line, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Isn't that interesting? So it's not just about hearing the Bible. It's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about doing Bible studies or courses. All these things are vital. They're important. But the the purpose of all those things is that we get life skills, (coughs) biblical revelation that we can then go, okay, I'm going to build this into my life. I'm going to act upon this. That is part of our worship. Jesus is saying, if you hear what I say, but you don't do it, it's like hearing how you can secure your life in the storm, but not actually applying it to your world or to your life. So when the storm comes, notice it doesn't say if, if the storm comes. It doesn't say if a storm comes. A storm's going to come. It's life. It's a fallen world. It's a fractured world. It's a broken world. Storms will come. Jesus is saying, a storm's going to come. A tornado will hit your life at some point. At some point while you're alive. Uh, so be encouraged. <laughs> storms will come in life. But if you've taken the word and you've acted upon it, and you've applied it, and you've worked it into your world, you will stand. You will come out the other side. You will not fall. You will not be washed away. That's what Jesus is saying. That is part of worship. It's not just singing, lifting our hands, which is an important part. It's not just praying, saying, God, I love you, and you're awesome, and can you do this and that? And it's not even just listening to his voice, which is, again, a really important part of worship, Jesus is saying the foundation of all of that is then to go, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to work it and weave it into the way I live and build my life. I'm going to act upon the word. Um, That's how we commit our lives to God and to be thankful about it. C.S. Lewis said this, there's two types of Christians. Those who say your will be done And those who say, all right, then have it your way. (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes we come to God saying, all right, then have it your way. I'll do it. And he goes, don't worry about it. Have you ever had one of your kids do that? Where you say, oh, I need you to mow the lawn. Or I need you to tidy your room. (laughs) Or I need you to do this. Or I need you to do that. And they go, oh, all right, then fine. And they go, Oh, hold on a sec. How about doing it without the attitude? (laughs) But oftentimes we approach God that way because we think that he's trying to or wanting to get us to do something that is detrimental to our world or our view of what's best. And he says, do this. And you're like, whatever. All right. Uh, Don't be that kind of Christian. I mean, we are all at times, I'm even like that at different points where God will say, do something and, and uh, you don't really feel like it. But I've made a commitment, I want to encourage you to make that commitment as well, that if, if God says something to me and it's clearly articulated and it's been confirmed, then I've made a decision in my life, God, 
my most important objective in life is to please you. Above everything else, and I know what pleases you, is when I do what you ask me to do. And so I want to encourage you, as we talk about worship, and as we act in worship, as we lift our hands and sing, as we listen, as we read the Word, as we follow Him, that undergirding all of those things in that relationship is then to go, okay, God, if you clearly indicate to me that I'm supposed to do something or, or walk in a certain direction or do a certain thing, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe you. <clears throat> and I'm going to worship you with my obedience. That is something that pleases God above everything else. When you, despite our circumstances, despite our internal inclinations, despite other factors, we decide, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to live the way you asked me to live. I'm going to prioritize you and your purpose and your life and your call, my relationship with you. I'm going to put you up the top. I'm going to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. <clears throat> then you'll find things working out. You'll find peace in the midst of the storm. You'll find answers to prayer and you'll find God there because then it's no longer just about a bunch of do's and do don'ts and, and religious activity. It's about a passionate love affair where we know that we know that we know that God loves me. He will never let me down. He will never let me fall. He will always be there in every moment. That, that's Christianity. That is worship. That's where we're trying to get to. And that's the journey that we're heading to. And being able to worship and come into His presence and all these things are part of that puzzle of putting God number one in our life, worshiping Him, praising Him, and then going out of here on a Sunday and during the week going, God, I'm going I'm to weave that into my life, into the decision-making of my life. And my priorities and my purpose is all about loving you and putting you first. And the Bible says, Jesus said this, if you put God first, if you honour Him, then He will make sure that all the other stuff is looked after. When we put the other stuff first, because we think, oh, I can't live without the house and I can't live without... As I said, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. They're, they're legitimate pursuits and desires. Having a nice car, having a nice house, going on holidays, having these things, they're, they're not bad. They're not bad. But they become a stumbling block if they are the idol, the purpose, the passion of our life above everything else. If we put God first, He doesn't care what else you've got as long as He's number one. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank You for Your Word, for Your promises. We thank You. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for all that You've done. And we do sing and we lift up Your name. We appreciate everything that You have done, are doing, and they're going to do in our lives and in our church and in our community and even in the lives of those that don't even know you at this point. They're in opposition to you. But we thank you. Thank you, Lord, 
can we just take a moment right now to recalibrate our heart to make you number one again? Thank you, Jesus. Your presence. I need you to know this morning that you're loved. You're loved. You're not loved because of who you're becoming or what you're going to be. You're loved as you are right now. Right now. With your faults, your failings, your insecurities, your fears, your worries, your secret sin, wrongful thoughts. <laughs> he loves you as you are. Right here, right now. And He made you to love you. And all He wants is that we would love Him back would love him back thank you Jesus why don't we all stand